Coaching Inside the Box. A youth soccer coaching podcast. A Brit, a Brazilian, and an American discuss culture and environment and the impact it has on youth development. Can you coach inside the box? Welcome back to another riveting episode of Coaching Inside the Box. Spring is in the air. I can almost hear Andy singing that um, from the sideline of my youth. Um, Spring soccer has started. Uh, We got games that are being played. Uh, Philippe's been traveling all across America, coaching his teams. Um, Life is good. Andy, how do you feel now that the spring season has started and you can go sit on the sideline every Saturday and Sunday afternoon and uh, berate and accost uh, opposing teams' parents. <laughs> I, I'm I'm soaking right now. You know, I mean, you know, you guys are just abusing me for being old. You know, I mean, how how do I feel? You know, I feel hurt. You know that that you're you know referring to my. You might be a little extra spicy on the sideline <laughs> this weekend then toward the uh, opposing <laughs> opposing teams' parents. Then this could be fun. So so on top of you know this, the abuse you just given me. You know, yesterday you teased me. With? With, uh, come on. You know, you said we can actually start the podcast later. (laughs) (laughs) And and I was all excited, you know. And you you said, what time do you want to start? And and what did I respond? Uh, 11.30 a.m. 11.30 a.m. What did you respond? (laughs) 6.30 (laughs) a.m. <laughs> I mean, come on, you know, you can start the podcast later. And in my eyes, I was like, you know, stars in my eyes. You know, I could actually sleep in until nine o'clock, maybe. You know, and then you know, I so I suggested the time I wanted to start the podcast, and you gave me thirty minutes. Early bird gets the worm. This is why we are the best <laughs> podcast in youth soccer across the world. Is we get up early and we have our conversation before anybody else has oh had their God. cup of coffee. <laughs> but really? 30 minutes? <laughs> well, we, it ended up being an hour. You asked for a compromise of 7 a.m. and Philippe and I relented. But we were both here sitting and waiting for you to show up. Wow. What a shame. 7 a.m. Thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> I just had time to take my Geritol this morning and I, I'm out the door. <laughs> my Geritol. I don't even know what that is. I don't know what that is, but it's And I don't even want to know. It's old age, you know, help the system medicine, you know, for guys like me. That keep, keep, keep the pipes running. <laughs> Philippe, spring soccer's here. You played any spring games this year, this year yet? We actually played, played a few games, yeah. It's, it's been good. It's been fun. <laughs> you, you ran this year, yeah, into this shit. <laughs> <laughs> What's in that medicine that he's taking again? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. <laughs> Am I the old one or are you the old one? You know, <laughs> you're running your words together. I'm, well, I'm on my way. I've got too many kids that I'm trying to parent. Wait, it looks like Andy's gotten some pre- talk, pre-written jokes to share. Talking about old age, this kind of feeds into this pretty well. What do excellent young players like Philippe and I have in common? We don't even share the same letter in our first name, so I don't know. Philippe scores hat-tricks. I'm a geriatric. Okay, just humor me. (laughs) So dumb. (laughs) Fleet, when you edit this back, can you just pick up this section and put it at the end? I wonder if he actually comes up with that or he finds somewhere. Because if 
it's online somewhere that page needs to be taken down. Maybe if we did this at 11.30 a.m., he'd have more time in the morning to like work through these jokes and it'd actually be better. I don't think there's any hope. <laughs> okay, next joke. Oh, yep. Bada bing, bada boom. <laughs> what do the stars in the heavens of my teeth have in common? They're falling. They both come out at night. <laughs> <laughs> the older we get, this is just a statement, the older we get, the earlier it gets late, and the later it gets early. <laughs> okay. You got to figure that one out. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I have a problem. I'm getting older and wider instead of older and wiser. And I'm at an age where my back goes out more than I do. <laughs> anyway, enough of that. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Let's talk soccer. Let's okay, talk. yeah. Let's Philippe, do it. you got a big announcement. One of your players uh, achieved something great, um, or at least the first of many great things. Yeah. Um, so one of my players, Daniel, he got selected for the national ID2 uh, team that is going to Manchester and London. All expenses paid for and just an immersed experience in soccer, playing some incredible competition uh, over there. And, you know, just... This was the U.S. Club ID2 program, right? Yeah. yeah so basically, they, Yeah, so basically they select, you know, kids in the region and, well, first in the States, then in the region. And then they f make a final 72-player uh, camp uh, to select the final 18, the whole country. Uh, and Daniel was the only kid in the whole Midwest that, that made it. Andrew, can you imagine how good Daniel would be if he had a good coach? <laughs> I mean, it'd just be off the charts if it was me. If it was me behind the helm, right? <laughs> what's What's cool about it is that I mean, maybe this leans into a lot of what we talk about often is that maybe the coach doesn't matter. Maybe it's the facility and the environment that matters. And that's not a shot at you, Philippe. But like Daniel, yes, it is. No, it's not. No, it's not. <laughs> because it where, good it's I a, help a little bit. <laughs> this, the segue I'm going to make here, kind of what we're going to be talking about today. Um, th those of you guys that listen to us but have never come to visit us in person, first off, you're always welcome to come. Uh, Andy will wake up at any hour of the night or the morning or the afternoon. Yes, he sleeps during all of those time periods um, to come in and give you a, a tour of our facility. But those of you that haven't been here before, there are kids that and are just almost... Just to be clear, my, my prostate will wake me up every you know, regular <laughs> yeah. times during the night. So. <laughs> uh, but we have kids, I, I mean, I don't know if facility rat's the right term, but we have kids that basically just live at our facility, right? We have teams that train um, every night of the week. The facility's packed with that, but there's always spare space or practices for these these facility rats, these kids just to hop into sessions. And sometimes these kids are as young as age five or six when they start coming around the facility. And Daniel's been coming around the facility for as long as I can remember. Absolutely. Um, and, just, and just living here and going from one practice to another to another um, during those really formative years of seven, eight, nine, ten, um, and and training all all week long in in, in a really fun uh, dopamine releasing uh, way that our, our facility uh, creates. And I mean, I remember five six years ago. I mean, Daniel is now thirteen or fourteen, so maybe even longer than that. About seven, eight years ago, Daniel was literally always here. You'd come Saturday for the four v four league, and he was he was playing seven teams so mm -hmm. he he was just here all the time we have uh a guy that works here uh named Saul he 
he's a pastor at a church, so he brings a lot of uh, the Hispanic community that has kids and goes through his church uh, into the building. And it's a fo- soccer church. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, you know, that's a bunch of my players on my 2009 team that is doing really well. I have four or five of them that, that came from Saul's, you know, team. At and, age and, like five or six. Yeah. And then he they... They would come to our practices, and then Saul would have his own practices, and then they would jump in with other kids and practice. You know, their older sisters, uh, in Daniel's case, played here as well. I, I coached his older sister at the time, and he was always jumping in and everything. The family was here Monday through Thursday between all the kids, and the kids just running around the facility. If they're not at a practice, they're on one of the open boxes, they're in one of the op- open fields, and just playing, 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 playing. And, you know, it's, I remember him as a kid, seeing him playing for other teams uh, in the 4-4 league and just playing games after games after games. And when once the team, that team, uh, the coach moved and they didn't have a coach, I told I told Kyle, please, I was already in the age group, I said, please give me that team, give me that team. And I knew the team was special because I knew him and I knew he was special. Um, so that's kind of how I got in, into the team. And then I saw all the other boys and, I mean, a bunch of incredible players. And we've been building up um, since then. But I think you you hit the, the point. It's not happening for a reason. It's not happening because he comes to practice twice a week, three times a week and plays one, two games in a week. And he's here. He basically lived here his whole life and spent so many times here and so many uh, hours and repetitions and shooting and dribbling and skill and you know and you can see the way he plays and you can see in his face that that's who he is that's that's what he loves he loves getting the ball and taking people on you can see every time he gets the ball he start doing his things and you know sometimes he even drags the player in you know, he keeps pulling the player to himself so he can be the player. You know, it's just it's just his game. He just loves it. It just fits perfectly to what we do. And I think you can see the excitement uh, that him and all, all these other kids uh, have when they come here because of what we do and because of all the repetition and because they're always on the ball. They're always taking people on. They're always on the clutch. They're always taking shots. And I think that's the secret. And a kid like him that loves it, puts in the work and has the talent the sky's the limit so. and it's 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 it, we talk about street soccer all the time right uh, and and a recognition that <clears throat> that street soccer has been such a uh, developer of uh, all of our favorite players and and all of our favorite um uh, um you know the high level teams that we've watched they've come from street soccer initially united states doesn't have a culture of street soccer and that's why this facility exists daniel isn't the player he is if he's a gym rat at a giant open and open facility with no walls and a lot of space right Daniel's the player he is because of the the street soccer environment that that we've created and he isn't the player that he is at most clubs because most clubs have close practices for one team only good point good point and and so you can't gate crash a practice and be welcomed with open arms like you can here yeah you know we instruct our coaches hey you let people into your practices you know it's you know this isn't a private event you know, we, we want your kids to get better because they're coming six times a week. And we want other kids on other teams to get better because they're coming six times a week, which means you've got to be open 
to having strangers wander into your practice. And, and it works because our coaching curriculum and philosophy is not one built around a lot of structure, right? Like we're playing. We're playing 1v1s, 2v2s um, uh, almost all the time or 4v4s if we're not working on the technical skill component on the front end. Um, uh, and so when kids show up to practice, it doesn't ruin your session. Like, oh, no, I had 6v6, and that's what I was doing was a non-directional keep away, and now I have a 13th kid, right? Like they show up to your practice like, oh, yeah, yeah, we'll find a 1v1 for you to hop in. Oh, yeah, we'll find a 2v2 for you to hop in. It's not a problem. See, see I would say that my practices are more structured than most coaches' practices. But what I mean by that, they're structured to improve individual creativity, individual bravery, you know, the, the things that define the world's greatest players. Historically, those players have been wonderful ball wizards, you know, people that can score from 30 yards, you know, people that have got amazingly creative skills and opportunity recognition systems that they built over the years. And it's systemized. There's a whole book about it. It's systemized, but in such a way as it optimizes the creativity of the individual and maximizes the potential of that individual to go to the top. You know, and I was just thinking when you were talking about Daniel, who's a wonderful player, uh, I was thinking about Grayson Lenz, who's uh, you know, the son of Peter Lenz, who used to play for our club. 2012 gym rat, facility rat. He, he's here all the time, and Peter says, look, he, he just wants to be doing this two to three hours a day, every day of the week. He said, I didn't ask him to do this. This is who he is. He loves it. And so... You know, I have Grayson in my in my individual skill practices, you know, and he comes like two days a week, you know, two of the four sessions. And the other days he's out playing with other teams and some nights he'll do three different things with three different teams, you know. And and so, uh, uh, you know, Grayson has taken to the drag Maradona like a duck to water, you know, and I'm in a stage now in our small boxes, 20 feet by 12 feet, where uh, we are doing repetitive four touches where the first touch is the drag. That's really difficult because the ball's exploding off the front wall from the shot and you've got to get it and first touch it, you know, to commit the defender to go that way. And then the second touch is the first pullback in the Maradona. The third touch is the second pullback in the Maradona. And the fourth touch is the shot. You know, so I asked Grayson, because he's so smooth, can you give the other players that haven't seen this yet a demonstration and so Grayson does this amazing um, sequence of drag Maradonas without fault, you know, just perfect. And then he crowns it off with, after the, the second pullback in the Maradona, he does a monstrously powerful Rabona. <laughs> you know, just a, a, a rocket, a line drive Rabona, you know, as though it's nothing. Yeah. You know, so he's done this amazing drag Maradona sequence of amazing drag Maradonas. You know, and he finishes it with this abona, Rabona, and these 14-year-old girls that I was also training were just, you know, dropping their jaws like, Grayson, you want a date? You know? <laughs> and he's 10. <laughs> yeah. And he's 10. 12. He's 12. No. No, he's no, at 2012. He's 10. He's, 10. He might, 10 he's, he's 11. turning 11 at some point, yeah. Okay, he's got long hair. He looks like he's 12. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but, but it's just wonderful what this facility does. Yeah. Because... In these boxes, Grayson, you know, and this is incredible, in four minutes, you know, he's over a hundred perfect four-touch sequences in four minutes. That's not including the things he messes up with, you know, so he, he's trying more than a hundred sequences because he's not perfect, 
you know, but over four minutes to be hitting 104 touch sequences, which includes the drag fake to take the defender out of the way, the marathon turn, and then a shot. Unbelievable. Well, keep it in mind the topic of today's podcast or episode, which we haven't even shared with the audience yet. <clears throat> and me, Philippe, and I knowing how much work it is inside the box. Why do kids keep coming back? Can I, can I, because I wanted to read this. I just gave you the best segue ever. <laughs> keep the, ask that question again. Why do kids keep coming back? So we, we got this, uh, this email from, from uh, Danielle Shepto-Campbell. If you're wondering, it's really difficult to host a show that Andy's on because Andy's also hosting it. <laughs> <laughs> he hosts his own show. <laughs> Did you say squirrel? <laughs> All right, go on. This, is, this email's from Danielle. It came through last night. Uh, and uh, the heading is, I'm sold. Hello, we have a small rec program in rural Virginia. We have about 300 players... Uh, register each spring and fall. Last fall, we put together our first team to join the travel league in our area. Our county and program are growing. However, we struggle to find parent volunteer coaches. And when we do, they are of the football variety. I think think she's talking American football. Um, Beggars can't be choosers in parentheses. I am listening to your podcast and have watched your videos on YouTube. I'm sold on your coaching philosophy, especially having a Montessori education background myself. My children love the game. I love the game. Where do we start? How do I bring your ideas to our soccer community? Do you offer consultations, curriculum we can use to get our board members, coaches and parents on board? Thanks for any guidance. Yes, we do. You know, and Danielle's probably going to listen to this podcast when it's published. And we are fully on board with offering guidance. We don't beat it to death. We're not salespeople, we're soccer people, you know, but we do have all this memorialized. We have a system and we can provide it to you. Yep. So, yep, so yep. and we'd love to. Yep. Yep. So, um, and, and, and you guys just know Andy, Philippe and, uh, and Andrew, but there's a whole back office staff of full-time soccer, soccer gurus that can speak this stuff more eloquently than Andy and Philippe, but maybe not quite as eloquently as I, um, and then a full but coaching I have an staff. I have an, <laughs> but you have an accent. And we have a full <laughs> coaching staff within the club. So, uh, so whether it's that one of the three of us that'll hop on uh, a zoom call and kind of start, start that conversation or one it's them, um, I think you'll be excited about that possibility. All right. Andy, is it okay, host number two, if we move into the... Oh, go on then. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I know how difficult it is in those boxes. Four minutes of individual work where where you're trying to beat the score of shots or um, moves into shots that you had uh, the previous time, that's a lot of work. That is a ton of cardio. That is a ton of focus. Um, that is that is very difficult. Why do kids keep coming back? It, it's grueling. You grueling know, would be... I, a, pick, I pick the four minutes because it pushes back the, the, the lactic anaerobic threshold of each of the players where their muscles you know, are being flooded with lactic acid, you know, they're swimming in a sea of lactic acid, as fatigue steps in, skill steps out, so they have to fight harder in that last minute, you know, to do what came relatively easily in the first minute, you know, so it's incredibly intense, then we, we get them out, we talk to them a little bit, you know, you know, we motivate them a little bit, and we send them back in again, um, but honestly, the amount of motivation you need to do is paltry, small, compared to... Why? 
And, you know, this isn't the complete answer, but it's incredibly important. And, and very few people, in fact, nobody, I, I think, in soccer that I've come across has actually recognized the value of this substance to motivation in our sport. And, and it's, a, it's a, a substance that is produced naturally in humans called dopamine. And the best way for me to describe the impact of dopamine is segue to Las Vegas. How about that? Okay. All right. I was wondering if we were going to get the younger story of dopamine for Andy or like how much fun it is when you finally uh, pee and you're like, oh, that was a good dopamine release, there, which would be the more current version of Andy. And you're not wrong. <laughs> You know, the best comedy has an element of seriousness to it and real reality. <laughs> My man. <laughs> Enough said. Um, podcast on dopamine, Start With Las Vegas, was in my notes. Okay. And what happens when you walk into a casino? Uh, I mean, you just start getting... You're, you're, your senses are bombarded with things. Lights, sound. Attractions. Uh, attractions. Uh, it's a feast for the eyes and the ears. Yeah, there, there's cheering from this table. There's yep. music. There's, you know, and, and what a lot of people don't realize is this is not organic. This has been researched. This is planned. The whole setup, you know, all of each and every, for example, one-armed bandit machine, mm -hmm. you, know, you know, every gambling machine is carefully planned, you know, to um, trigger dopamine release in the person that's using it. Because if you think about it, these gambling machines are competing with thousands of other gambling machines. And you're trying to make your machine the favorite machine that people come back to again and again. You know, the gambling addicts, they come back to, obviously because they think they can win on it, but there's other subtle things happening, or maybe not so subtle. I mean, the noises those machines make are, are anything but subtle, <laughs> you know, but, but they work. Sure. You know, they're chosen, you know, I mean, you go into a casino, what do you not hear? You don't hear love songs. You, know, you, you don't hear things that calm the nerves. You know, the whole thing is designed to get you on the edge of almost your sanity with excitement. Because when this is happening, your system, your, your, your body is releasing endocrine, uh, sorry, uh, is it dopamine into you know, your system, and dopamine is this mood elevator. Dopamine is this wonderful substance that is naturally produced. It's not a drug from outside. You know, you don't have to rely on artificial substances. It's naturally produced by certain things in life that elevate your mood, you know, and those things can be food, you know, obviously sex, you know, you know just, you know, things that are, you know, part of a positive life, you know, for most people, you know, but they can also be part of the wrong way in living your life. You know, you can release dopamine by taking illegal drugs, you know, for example. You know, you can release dopamine by sitting in front of a video game for 12 hours a day, you know, and lose yourself in, in the dopamine release and basically waste your life because you need that fix so badly on a daily basis. And there's many kids in this society that do. They don't do anything productive because they can play video games all day, game long. So it's got an upside, it's got a downside. Thankfully, in what we do, it's a total upside. Because, you know, in sports, especially aerobic-centered sports, dopamine is 
released to a high degree. And this is what makes, and this is kind of interesting because, I, you know, I, I, in a perverse way, enjoyed running cross country. I enjoyed, you know, training and running marathons, you know, and, and, and I, I had a lot of fun in things that inherently weren't much fun, you know, and I didn't realize that probably it was the dopamine that I was releasing during the exercise because it's a drug, it's a good drug that actually made what seemed like, you know, a terrible thing to do, go out and run 26 plus miles, you know, it seemed like, you know, that, that it made it fun to actually do that. You're crazy. People, <laughs> yeah, well, uh, we all know that. <laughs> you know, but, you know, it, it's now got a medical, a scientific explanation. It wasn't all just the desire to inflict pain on my body, you know, for some perceived fitness benefit. There was actually a positive chemical response occurring in my body as a result of the, you know, the extra dedication I was showing. Well, I'm going to jump into your notes a little bit because you were kind enough to share them with us. But there's a specific scientific study that was done related to the impact that dopamine has on athletes. Um, and to quote uh, Rollins um, in 2008 from this study, dopamine increases athletes' attention toward rewarding goals and strengthens their reaction to the positive feeling that these can provide. Um, and so I want to use that as a way to frame a description of our facility. And I think Daniel uh, achieving what he did is like a perfect example and segue or, or real life example of what can happen in our facility. But you've never been here. You're listening. What's it like? If you walk into one of our three facilities in Kansas City, immediately what you'll hear is the soccer version of Las Vegas, right? You'll hear balls crashing off of walls. You'll hear kids celebrating um, and cheering for themselves and their teammates. You'll hear parents, um, you'll, you'll see parents um, uh, uh, jaws dropping to the floor, the excitement that exists within the sidelines of both of our box soccer courts and, 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 and our small fields. And, and it is an example that when you walk into our facility, our sessions or what is occurring on those fields is so fast paced and so um, uh, um, and, uh, enthusiastic toward deceptive dribbling and goal scoring and, and the sounds that come from it when the ball crashes off the back of the, 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 the wall and the goal, um, uh, it becomes addictive. It's a dopamine release every time for these kids in a really upward positive way. Um, and, and so when, 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 when I say dopamine increases athletes attention toward rewarding goals and strengthens their relax reaction to, to the positive feelings these can provide, that's exactly what has happened over the last seven or eight years for Daniel Sanchez, right? And thousands of other kids inside of our facility. Um, so, Andy, that was my attempt to steal your thunder um, since you're trying to host my show. <laughs> and, I mean, just to add to that, just seeing the smile in the kids' faces when they do something awesome, you know, it's just, the, for me, the most rewarding thing. Um, like, I'll give an example, two examples on my team just recent. Uh, I have one player, uh, Ian, very shy, very quiet, fantastic player, so smooth on the ball, plays center mid. And the other day in practice, he got the ball. I train with the boys a lot, you know, when we're in 4v4, you know, you have 11, I jump in to make 12, and we have three teams of four or stuff like that. So I play with them a lot. And being Brazilian, I'm always magging them. 
or that's what I like to do, you know, being Brazilian. So the other day, Ian got the ball. And like, I have this one mag that I do that I roll the ball, like with, kind of with my back heel, but stepping on the ball and rolling backwards. And Ian perfectly set it up, bringing the kid kind of coming on his right shoulder. And then he did it exactly like I do to them all the time. And right, at, did that and took a shot and then just could see the smile on his face. I'm like, hey, you're, you're, you're watching your coach too much. And he laughs and stuff. And like he's the most shy kid that, you know, probably would not be trying those things, you know, in, in other environments. But in our environment, he's flourishing. He's coming off his shell and just doing amazing things and not afraid. And he does it in games too. And the other example, my center back. Just a second. It's interesting that you mentioned that. Like being Brazilian, you like to make kids. Um, and the kids that you coach, having grown up with Andy, the English guy, my coach, it was the opposite. Instead of megging us, he always got megged. <laughs> hey, you're not wrong. <laughs> did, he try to, did, he, did he try to break you guys' leg as an Englishman? I mean, he only had about a tw two of us. So. Okay. okay. That makes sense. And the other that, one... That, that, that's just the two you know about. <laughs> and the other one, my center back, Charlie, the other day pl playing 4v4 here, he, he pulled out his, his, this rainbow in the middle of our 4v4 scrimmage. And I'm like, Charlie what are you doing? Are you rainbowing people now? Like, <laughs> w w what's happening? He's like, yeah, yeah, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, you got to try in the game. I'm like, coach, but I'm a center back. Just go for it. Okay, I'll move you to center mid next game. You got to do it. So I put him out. We were rotating positions a lot, so it was already planned that he would get some minutes at center mid that day. So I put him in. First ball, he got a center mid. He controlled the ball. The kick came in. Boom, rainbow. In the middle of the the midfield. It's just like beautiful. That's my center back. And like just seeing that and like seeing the confidence that they boost that they get and the dopamine release that they get after they do these things, it's just better than anything. You know, uh, they don't get that in doing pattern play, simple possession and stuff like that. They don't get that. They don't get that motivation. They don't get that excitement. They don't get that confidence. They don't get that love for the game that they get when they're playing this creative and fun for sure way. for so, sure so so the you know this is what happens when you walk into a casino right the lighting the noises the prominent position of gambling machines game tables copious amounts of alcohol are all designed to release dopamine into the human body and reduce inhibitions with the certain knowledge that people experiencing elevated levels of dopamine influence will spend more money we have the casino of soccer development. The difference being that everything we're doing in terms of triggering dopamine development, nutmegs, drag it's, maradonas. isn't about taking money from kids, but instead lifting it, them up. It's, it's lifting them up. It's a natural okay. high. You know, it, it's, it's developing players into addicts. But they're addicts of effort. They're addicts of risk, you know, healthy risk. Yeah. Going further, growing, developing, spreading their wings, you know, doing things in other clubs, they're actually educated out of doing. They're addicts of, of searching for failure, but failure that moves them forward. Failing upward. Failing upward. Absolutely. You know, and, and, and that's the difference 
between healthy, naturally released dopamine and unhealthily released dopamine. You know, drugs, drink, those things release dopamine unhealthily and they create a reliance on, on dopamine. And it's been shown that meth addicts actually get immune to dopamine. So they have to take ever more dopamine, uh, ever more drugs to get that dopamine high. You know, and eventually they lose any benefit from the drugs they're taking, you know, and a lot of them kill themselves. But they become so addicted, you know, that they go down that path of literally suicide, you know, searching for that high and they're destroying their body's ability to reproduce that high. You know, when they're young and they first take meth, it's wondrous, apparently. Uh, but in a very short period apparently. of time, well, I, I've never taken a, a drug in my <laughs> life. I mean, so I'm one of those strange, you know, I just strange you guys. Threw, that, you threw that you know, in, apparently, just as yeah, an FYI. I don't know. I didn't even smoke weed <laughs> growing up. You know, in Oxford, England, it wasn't available. You know, we just didn't even know about it. Probably would have done. I was a risk taker. You know, but... But, uh, you know, never got the chance, you know, so for, and I'm glad I didn't. And, and he drinks a cup of tea and he's like, oh, boy. And you're not wrong. <laughs> yeah. and, and so, you know, and what we've got to understand is, um, you know, it's quite funny, actually, because, you know, in a weird way, in a perverse way and not a good way. Um, other clubs in town see us as their greatest competitor, right? I don't see other clubs in the soccer community as our greatest competitor. You know what our greatest competitors are? Any ideas? Video games. Video games. Drugs. You know, drink. You know, just time wasters. You know, reels on social media. Social media in general. Kids will go down the social media rabbit hole And they'll spend two hours being fed a bunch of garbage, a lot of which is actually not very positive and is, is training them to be, you know, to look at life in a very strange way, a very warped way, a very negative way, you know, and they can come to our soccer facility, they can spend three hours getting super fit, super skillful, brave, creative risk takers, you know, and they can have their intelligence on the spot, in the moment, at speed, under pressure, you know, be maximized, or they can stay at home and play video games. And here's the beauty. They choose to come to do what we do because it's so much fun to play this way. They're getting their dopamine release, which makes it enjoyable, and they can feel their own personal growth. They are not, you know, basically just sucking on, you know, social media for some type of thrill For a brief moment, they are developing intrinsically greater strength, greater physical strength, mental strength, creative strength, greater bravery, you know, greater leadership abilities, you know, first leading themselves and then leading others mm -hmm. in this environment. And we've created the perfect environment for that, you know, and that's what makes our constant, ever since 1989, year-on-year -year growth so understandable. Because people don't leave. And, and what do I see these days when I walk around the facility? It's a family. Mm. I, you know, I come to this facility and I see, you know, uh, you know five, 10, 15, 20 ex-players that I coached. Yep. You know, and in, right now we've got, you know, 50, 60 players that over some point in time I've coached during their youth soccer career. You know, and, you know, it is a family. They wouldn't take their kids anywhere else. 
because they get it. They understand what they got from it. They didn't go down the wrong paths because they got so much reinforcement here, you know, and most of these guys ended up playing in college and going, you know, beyond just youth soccer. But even the ones that didn't go beyond youth soccer have become amazing leaders in life, you know. Yep. And dopamine is a major contributor to that. Yep. And most people haven't even heard of it. And, I mean, it's so evident, like, up until a few months ago, I was still playing soccer. And we are, when we're players, even when we're 30 years old, we're forever kids when we're inside the soccer field. And, you know, I remember uh, at the Comets practice, a lot of times, the usually the day before the game, we would have, you know, all-in, which was... You know, the whole roster is split in two teams. So, you know, lots of bodies, not a lot of running uh, in the whole field. And, like, we would take it so seriously, like, everybody, because everybody wanted to, to – it's competitive. Everybody's playing. Everybody's trying to win. Everybody's trying to score goals and do things. And our coach was, like, at one point, it's like, we got to stop doing this the day before the game. You guys are killing yourselves, you know, when you're playing. And, you know, you guys need to rest. But – that's how I always felt. I always had that thing in me that even the day before games and in college was the same thing. Every time we were training and we were doing something fun in practice, a small-sided game or some sort of a scrimmage or a shooting drill or a 1v1, something like that, even if it was like at the end of practice, day before a game, I was pissed off and coach stopped. You know, Even being older and understanding that we needed to rest. I wanted to keep doing it because mm -hmm. I'm doing it. I'm having fun. Dopamine is released and I want to keep going. I don't care about the game tomorrow. I'm having fun. Don't take this away from me. So I think that's what, you know, and that's us in adult life. Like when the kids are kids, they just want to play. They just want to have fun. They just want to do things. And when we put them in that environment, they excel. Their motivation goes through the roof. Their work rate goes through the roof and in consequence, the development goes through the roof to, as well. Continuing our Daniel Sanchez case study, um, before we started recording, we were chatting about Daniel and, and, and having made the ID2 um, national team for the upcoming trip. Um, and I asked you um, a question that I think happens in our club often when a kid excels at the level Daniel's excelled. How long is he going to stick around? Like, is he is he considering going to Sporting KC, the, the MLS Academy? Um, and Philippe, you responded with essentially um he just spent a month training with him and he's decided he's not going to go he's going to stick around um and i asked you why and your response wasn't that he thinks he'll get he'll improve at a faster rate here although that may be part of the reason why he's chosen to stick around it was because in the sporting casey mls academy they spend most of their time doing passing patterns. They do spend most of their time doing sessions that are super structured, but specifically do not release dopamine. And, and Daniel has no idea that there's a lack of dopamine, dopamine being released during those sessions. He just knows that they're not as much fun versus the sessions that you run and the sessions that we have here in the facility that are built almost entirely out of deceptive dribbling and shooting. And those two specific skills, deceptive dribbling and shooting, are the skills that release the greatest amount of dopamine. 
um, from a scientific perspective. Um, Andy, I, 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 I'm going to, I'm going to assume in 1985, uh, or whatever year it was somewhere around there when you decided to chart a path built around deceptive dribbling and goal scoring, dopamine didn't come factor into that decision at all, but it probably didn't take you long to realize that the kids that you were training were having a lot more fun, thus coming back more often and putting out more effort because the sessions were built around deceptive dribbling and goal scoring. Am I correct in that assumption? Yeah, and the strange thing is that my sessions, I think, were very physically demanding. That that was the point that I made earlier with yeah. Grayson Lenz. So, four minutes of just balls-to-the-wall work. Why does he keep coming back? Well, because it's, he's releasing dopamine you know, the entire time. You know what it's like. You played for me, and you know we used to do one-on-ones till the cows came home, and you know it would be 15 rounds of one-on-one, and you guys would crawl off the field at the end. 15 rounds. 15 four-minute rounds of 1v1 yeah, on, a, know, on a dirt field. Yes. Yeah. yeah, it wasn't pretty. The environment wasn't like we've got now with you know nice walled fields and somewhat climate-controlled. You know, and and uh, and yet you guys kept coming back and coming back, and every one of you that wanted a college scholarship got one. You know, and you know it it was something I didn't realize at the time. I just knew that one on ones made you dribble and made you shoot. Sure, and that was about the level and the depth of my understanding. You know, that's how dumb I am. You know, I just didn't you know even conceptualize that there was something scientific behind this. But let, let me read this a little bit more. Can I? Can I just? say one no, thing absolutely. about what, what he said. This. No, no I, I, I got to <laughs> jump in. So talking about fitness, that's one thing that I noticed from my team. I mean, hands down, they're incredibly fit. So we go play games, hard games, you know, National League, three games on a weekend, high-level games. All my boys, pretty much all of them, they're able to play the whole game without getting subbed. Obviously, we rotate everybody, but they are able to, and they don't drop their intensity a tiny bit. One of the things that our team does really well is in the transition, because they're so used to playing 2v2s, one-on-ones, and turning the, ball, turning the ball over and having to defend. Every time, and again, we turn the ball over a lot because we dribble. We take risks in the middle of the field, in the wings, everywhere. We lose the ball. Their transition to spring back and get organized and fight for the ball back, it's incredible. And we give up very few goals, even though we turn the ball over a lot. We make a lot of mistakes because we're so used to transition to defense so quickly that, I mean, the other team doesn't get a chance to, to breathe and find space, you know, find the easy passes to then build up. And I think that's incredible. And Obviously, to play a game like that, that you're going to turn the ball over and you got to transition back and then you got to get out quick for a counterattack and transition back and always doing that, it's very physically demanding. So I watch my game and it's not like we're moving the ball side to side, keeping possession, waiting for some space and stuff and the kids are just jogging around and moving. No, they're constantly going, 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 going either direction and they keep going. And that... that is only possible because they are super fit. And I actually did, a few months ago, I did a fitness test just to see where they're at. And, like, they're nearly college level in terms of fitness. And I remember the call, the uh, we did the beep test, and I remember the level that our college team needs to hit. Most boys were close to that, and they're 12, 13, you know, and that's just incredible. So I think all we do also 
not just from a dopamine perspective, but from a fitness perspective, it's it's just incredible. And and I'd like to make the point that that what we do creates incredible resistance to injury. But that's for a whole other episode. A whole other episode. You know that you know that's that's one of the side benefits of what we do is in a very live situation. You know, we have developed such strong connective tissues because of, you know, the dribbling and, and the goal scoring and all of the, the pretzeling that we ask our kids to do with their bodies. The, the opposite to what you think might happen when you're trying to put the body in these strange places happens. And our players are phenomenally resistant, especially young girls, to ACL injury. The statistics are amazing. And and just for those listening, it's not clear. Philippe mentioned, or if it's not clear to you, Philippe mentioned how fit the fitness that we do is great for our kids. The fitness that we do is what we do for dribbling and shooting too. It's one v ones, it's two v twos, it's four v four. We don't do anything other than that. There's not like okay, now let's spend forty five minutes doing fitness because fitness is a part of one v one and two v two. Or when you know the kids are working, in they the get boxes, fit. They playing. get fit playing. There's no there's no where to hide. And they get specifically fit for soccer, playing a very very ragged edge game of soccer Correct. where you're taking a lot of risk. So it's not just playing. You know, it's playing with the whole legend's emphasis of deceptive dribbling, take them on, you know, take on one, take on two, go to goal, you know, you know do amazing things. Pretzel your body and put the ball in the net from 30 yards, you know, and, and that's an amazingly different, you know, level of fitness that they develop. But I wanted to get into just a little bit more of the scientific viewpoint on yeah. what does dopamine do. Dopamine is a neurotransmitter that is associated with rewards and motivation. It's a chemical message carrier between nerve cells in the brain as well as to and from other areas of your body. It's a happy hormone and plays a significant role in positive mood and emotion. Dopamine is also a chemical messenger in your brain that governs, governs movement, memory, mood, sleep, and behavior regulation. It's central to the brain's rewards system. It rewards you whenever you engage in an enjoyable behavior and motivates you to repeat the behavior. Every time we experience something positive and enjoyable, like eating a nice meal, winning a game, getting paid, having sex, going for a run, none of which typically have negative outcomes, a little bit of dopamine is released into our brain. However, dopamine highs can also be caused by too much alcohol, many illegal drugs, obsession with video games, addiction to watching TikTok reels, pornography, etc., all of which cause a surge of dopamine and eventually have negative outcomes, even if the consequence is taking away time from positive pursuits that prevent a kid from achieving their beneficial life goals. You said dopamine's a happy hormone, and the first thing that went through my mind is, man, it's probably good I didn't know this when I was in high school, because I'd have been like, Mom, you needed one of them happy hormones. Some <laughs> dopamine, why don't you come to practice with me and work on your Maradona turn? <laughs> um, and uh, obviously, we're going to have to start wrapping this episode up soon, despite Andy having 6,422 pieces of I got another three hours of, yeah, podcast, three, yeah. hours of podcast. Three hours of podcast, yep. As, as is. Um, but Andy, when you think about how, um, uh, how we as coaches structure our sessions to maximize the 
the enthusiasm that, 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 that kids bring to the session for session one and then bring back for two and three and four and 5,000 and 6,000 and 7,000. Um, how much of it, how much of it do you, do you rest on, on the science of just dopamine and, and the impact that the, the happy hormone that it provides to our players? So, you know, we're not going to get there, but I wanted to go through the four pillars of our program. Yep. And how this, this would be a part two. I think, I think we could make an argument for it. We've said that so many times in the past. But this one, I actually, uh, sometimes I just say it. So, um, so this time I mean it. I just say it. <laughs> this, this, this piece of, uh, of, of my preparation is why do kids love to dribble and shoot? Okay. So it's relative to, the, to, you know, the question you just asked me. Dribbling and shooting release dopamine into the system. They are high risk, high reward skills. Goal scoring and one-on-one are the gladiator skills. If the moves and shooting of the one-on-one are the thrust and parry of the sword fight, scoring is the killer blow. Breaking ankles and taking shots provide legend players with regular dopamine hits. Scoring after destroying a defender with a move causes a massive dopamine injection, which is when the player loses all self-control, the shirt comes off, and the scorer bears a closer resemblance to an escaped lunatic than a professional athlete. Well, that's a great example. That is a great example. I mean, every player knows they're going to get a second, uh, a yellow and sometimes a second yellow, and they still do it because they can't control themselves. They can't <laughs> the control excitement the excitement. Is just too high, yeah. Yeah, yeah and, and that's the power of dopamine. You know, it is the, you know, like Argentina when they won the World Cup. Mm-hmm. You know, their players went crazy. You know, and, and, you know, it's, it's the, you know, it's all of their life they've worked, you know, to achieve that goal, you know, and when they find get, finally get it, their dopamine just floods the system, mm-hmm. you know, and they, all of them had temporary moments of insanity. I think their goalkeeper might permanently be in, insane <laughs> but, but, but for the rest of the guys had a temporary experience of insanity. <laughs> well played. <laughs> Uh, but it's that it's that excitement of seeing the kids in our sessions come back and come back and come back and like Andrew, what are we doing today? Well, we're doing one v ones. Andrew, what are we doing today? Well, we're doing one v ones. Andrew, what are we doing? Well, we're doing one v ones. And and sometimes there's this pushback a little bit I've experienced from some of my players, like ah, like I'm tired. Like I was kind of hoping for an you know a, an easier session is what I read on their face. And then the session starts. And immediately their work rate goes to 10 out of 10. Immediately the smiles that come from their face when they bury the ball in the back of the net, 10 out of 10. They're, the speed in which they race to get the ball that's bounced off of the back wall that's that's gone in the back of the net to grab it to go again is 10 out of 10. And, and, and that's because scientifically it's just so much freaking fun. Yeah. That, and are we towards the end of the podcast? Yeah. Because I have to read this before we, before we finish. It is our opinion that legend soccer, with all of its bravery, beauty, artistry, and creative leadership, is the best way. Of course, there are going to be times when practicing one of the world's most devastating dribbling moves over and over will feel like drudgery. However, legends players know that big dopamine will be their reward for all that hard work. It's the perceptual and motivational difference between laying bricks for a toilet or building a cathedral. The toilet removes manure, while the cathedral's purpose is to inspire people to live a higher quality life. 
Many conventional coaches treat their players as, a, as though they are toilet builders. At the Legends Club, we train our players to build a life of lasting beauty and fun. One where their positive leadership and influence will be felt for generations after they die. That's how I see this. What you learned from this club has made you an incredibly positive leader in life. What Brazil injected into Philippe's bones is that love, that love for beauty and creativity makes him an incredibly positive leader in life. You both got the same thing in different places, if that makes sense. But you both have that, that, that bravery, that creativity, that leadership, but at the same time, that spirit and soul, that kindness, you know, that fairness, you know, good people. Yeah. And this is what we spit out into the world. We don't spit out kids that will cheat to win. We, we spit out kids that are going to work hard and do the most creative, artistic, bravest, most leadership-oriented things that they can possibly do because that's how they've been conditioned to think yep. and play. And, and as Andy mentioned early in the, in the episode with the email that came in from Danielle um, in Virginia, I believe it was, like the, our, our enthusiasm to helping others, whether it be their own, their own individual team or, or, or institutions or, or clubs or gaggle of coaches that all share a, a, a like-minded belief of, of, of brave creative leadership in life uh, and using soccer as a vehicle to teach those life lessons. Like We're eager to play a part and help out in that direction. You can email Andy at andy at caseylegendsoccer.com you can email the podcast at coaching inside the box at gmail.com or hit us up on socials but we are eager to help you in whatever direction that we can um, whether it's the one of the three of us or um, our whole backroom staff of guys that are more eloquent than philippe and andy and maybe even me if we're being honest well if if you know andy you know that his going life is to spread this message as far as he can and he does it because he thinks that's he knows that's the right thing for the kids and what they need growing up to not only be better on the soccer field but better in life so everything that we do here it's available and as Andrew said you can reach out to us and it's our pleasure to share and get everybody on the same page and changing the soccer world here yeah one one soccer player at a time Andy any parting thoughts no, I, I think I said my, my, my parting shot. No way. <laughs> no way. <laughs> you and probably forgot. I'm actually a, you know, a kind of shy, quiet guy. <laughs> <laughs> I forced myself to talk. You know, He's time. also delusional. <laughs> <laughs> Until next time. Thanks, Andy. Thanks, Philippe. Thanks, Thanks guys. Bye, guys. Bye.